Yo, this is Stocks and Bars, the stock market hip-hop podcast, the only place you will find finance mixed with hip-hop. And today, family, we have a special guest on the podcast. We got John Connor. We got the People's Champ. The People's Rapper, and we are going to go in great detail talking about hip-hop, his financial journey, and how he has grown from then until now. So stick around. Let's go. I got my clique ready to use the money they got from jobs and courage and teaching them that it's not so hard. I'm doing this, making investing pop. P-Law is extra. You tuning in to Stocks and Bars. Yo, Stocks and Bars. Listen up, man. The guy that I have with me right now, the special guest, is somebody that I very first got introduced to, I wanna say in early 2000. When I first started to rap with my brother, I made my rounds in Cleveland and I bumped into a producer named Optics. And me and Optics started to chop it up. He came over to my house, he gave me some beats and he, he displayed a couple of guys that he was working with at the time. He was working with a guy named Blitz and he was also working with this artist here, John Connors, who he told me about. So. He let me hear some tracks from both. And I'm like, yo, both of these guys are dope, right? So fast forward to, I want to say it was probably like 2011, 2012. And I got reintroduced to this artist here when he was on an album with Willie the Kid and on the track that was uh, Aqua Marina. Marina, I think is what it was. Yeah, yeah. Dropping on there, right? I'm like, oh snap, that's who Optics was talking about, right? So I can keep talking about this. We'll, we'll get into it. But yo, I got John Connor on the podcast, Stocks and Bars with me. Love, yo, family, love. yo, I appreciate you jumping on with me. I really do. Thank you for the patience. And like I said, man, thank you for the time. It's love, man. Oh, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. And you brought up back in the Man, back in the day, yes. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Optics, man, and yeah. Blitz, man. Yeah. Cool dudes, talented dudes, absolutely, man. Yeah, that, it's funny how things come full circle because and Willie the Kid, my oh boy. yeah, 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 Willie, absolutely, Willie, man. Um, so on that track, you know, I had to write this one down because my, my my memory was going back to it. You spit the line on here. College is artificial. Knowledge used for profit to fatten the institutions while we still end up jobless. Right. And right. that right there speaks volumes because that's something that I'm on all the time right? <laughs> when it comes to what's going on in the workforce and how it continually feeds people into it and all that. So when you wrote that lyric, man, what was going on in your mind at that time? Well, I actually was thinking about, um, you know, my sister graduated from college. You know, she went to Michigan State and, you know, she got her master's and she's doing extremely well now. But I just remember at different points in time, there were those weird years where she still was trying to figure out you know, how does yeah. this degree help me? Like, right. you know what I'm saying, in my life. Like, when she got out into the real world, it was like, how does this actually help me? And then it wasn't just my sister. It was like a lot of people that I knew that took the college route. And, and to anybody that does, I'm not actually, I'm not trying to shame them because right. I think, you know, whatever journey you take to, you know, educate yourself and get yourself where you want to be, hey, do that. But it's just, these were things that I was speaking on based off of personal experiences and things that I, I witnessed. So it was, I was thinking about like my sister and just other people that I knew that had went to college and yet they were still like struggling to figure out 
what they were going to do. It was like, you yeah. know, they put in all this time. And then I Money, can remember yeah. <laughs> even after they graduate, they still talking about how they got to pay back these college debt <laughs> loans. And I'm like, this is crazy. So you mean to tell me you went to college and all you got out of it was a piece of paper, more debt, and you still going to end up working jobs that I yeah. might end up working that yeah. I didn't go to college. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just, you know, I'm a one plus one is two type of cat, man. So just... That that line came from there. Just a lot of things that I was seeing that didn't quite add up. Yeah, that frustration is real because everybody experiences that. For the for the fact is the saying, you know, you go to job, you go to college to get the job to pay for college that you got the job for. <laughs> yep, yeah, like, that's a fact. Yeah, it is. I, I call it the American dream, the great liability scheme, and that's because ah. yeah, we, we are all fooled into getting the house getting a car, getting an education, and all that does is accumulate debt and you have to work the rest of your life to get it. There's no coincidence that you have like 65 as a retirement age. Like this is this is mapped out. This is a vicious game, bro. <laughs> it is. This man, the game is filthy. Yeah. It's filthy. <laughs> all right, so I want to transition on this one from your upbringing, upbringing from Flint, Michigan, to when you actually got signed with Aftermath. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a lot of grind on there. You know, I watched the documentary that you had, and I want to know, you know, what was it? when you first got that notification from Dre. All right, mm. talk about that moment when you were, got the notification like, hey, Dre likes your stuff. And you're like, come on, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I, that phone call came from uh, Exhibit. Okay. So I have went on a tour with Exhibit uh, probably a year before that. Um, it was the Collateral Damage Tour. And then we always kind of kept in touch and then I can remember because I had a show that day and he called me and he just was like, yo, I had an idea. I want to let Dr. Dre hear your music. And at the mm. time, I was really just thinking to myself, I am so cool just doing my thing independently. Yeah. The fact that Dr. Dre would hear my music, that was good enough for me. That yeah. you know what I'm saying? That that my that off of grinding and doing what I was doing, that my music had reached, you know, to those levels and to, to those circles. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That, I should yeah. say. So um, he played Dre the music and then I get a, a phone call back no less than like an hour later where he's like, <laughs> Dre wants you to come to California and he want to meet with you. So uh, I go there and um, the moment that, uh, and I'm going to release all of this stuff because I got all of this stuff on film and I just want to, I want to put it in a pretty bow, like in a documentary style. Like yeah. there's the mini doc that's out there. But it's so much footage that I got from just every aspect of my life. But the actual, I have uh, footage of the actual like first day we met, and I rapped for him or whatever. And so he just kept putting on beats one after another and one after another. And uh, then he was just like, "Yo, so what you trying to do?" And then that you know led to the next six years of my life of uh, you know what I'm saying learning a whole bunch going through aftermath university. Yeah. But it was a beautiful thing, man, because from the first time we met, we had a natural chemistry just as people. And then when he was putting on beats, because I think he was trying to, it was it was you know I think all um, all the OGs in the game got to put you through that that gauntlet of 
Yeah, Let me see yeah, if you're yeah. the real deal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Are you going to freeze up? Are you going to get nervous? Are you going to run out of raps? Are you going to like, can you, what, what, like, are you the real deal? And he put me through that the first night that we met, putting on beat after beat. And every beat he put on, I just kept rhyming. So after that, it was on. Dang. Yeah. So how long was that experience when you went, when he put you through that? How long was the actual experience or how yeah. long ago was that? No, no. How long was the actual experience? You talk about the gauntlet. Like, how long did you put? Did oh, you put you man. <laughs> so it was crazy. So uh, <laughs> he must have put on, from what I can remember, man, at least 11, 12 beats. And Ooh. all of these beats were like, you know how Sway do like the five uh, fingers of death, death or whatever yeah, it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah dog. Uh, like, it was like that. How Sway will play like beats that are different tempos, right? So it was like that's what Dre did. He was playing. He was he was hoping he could stump me. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't never get stumped. So it was all, it was all good. But yeah, he played like 12, 13 beats. They was all different tempos. Some hard, some softer. Uh, some you know, uh, soulful joints. Some turned up club joints. And I had rap. I had raps. I had like rhymes for ready. every single joint that he played. And after a while, then he just cut the music and was like. So it cut the music off like, so what you want to do? And there it was. Yo, that's dope. That's dope, man. I I can't say I'd make it through the gauntlet. I ain't got that many raps. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. right. So aftermath happens, right? Tell me about when that check clears, right? What was the first thing that you remember that you purchased when that check hit your hands in the cash? When I first got a, a nice size check from music, wow. I think the first thing I did, I think I might have flew my girl at the time to California with me. I think that might have <laughs> been the first thing I did. That's the first thing that I can remember doing. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, but man, my first substantial purchase. Oh, man, I can't even remember, man. I really can't. I can't even remember. I think I bought... Uh, whatever the newest like Canon camera was because I wanted to like like be able to be self-sufficient as far as shooting content and shooting okay. videos. So that might have been my first purchase like when I got the bread. Yeah, so you then, was, then you after was that, Instagramming then, before yeah, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like 2013, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 2013, 2014. So yeah, Instagram was in its infant stages at the time. Yeah. All right, so we talked about hip-hop influences earlier before you know we jumped on here and you know i I told you about how hip-hop influenced me and the things that i've purchased that are questionable (laughs) in Uh, my past but i just wanted to know from your perspective you know has hip-hop influenced you to make any purchases before and if you can share what hip-hop has allowed you to buy oh boy any it what just uh <laughs> what purchases has hip hop inspired me yeah to? you know what's <laughs> funny man when i was younger i was a big fan of cash money okay so i always thought when i got you know i always thought when i got the bread i was gonna go to jacob the jeweler <laughs> go get <laughs> go get iced up yeah. but by the time i got a record deal i really was kind of off jewelry like that yeah. i wasn't really so hip-hop never really influenced like my purchases by the time i i got substantial amounts of money like more so pro wrestling did i I remember I bought <laughs> I bought like this rep I, I was I'm a collector of uh 
excuse me, and any wrestling fan watching this, it's a Cody Rhodes hat that I got on. But I've <laughs> always been a big fan of pro wrestling. You know, everybody got their uh, they hobbies or things that yeah. they like to collect. For some people, it's cars. Some people, it's jewelry. Some people, it's uh, paintings. And yeah, for me, yeah. it's pro wrestling. So I just remember the purchase. I was more so influenced by pro wrestling because I started buying like replica championship belts and <laughs> autograph, <laughs> autograph paraphernalia and stuff. That was the little kid in me. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Buying, dream, yeah. Those were the irresponsible purchases I made just to give myself a little pat on the back for my hard work. Hey, man, ain't nothing wrong with it. You got some pleasure out of it because you worked hard yeah, for, for it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I still got them to this day. <laughs> yeah. I did get Ninja Turtles. Okay. Yeah, I got Ninja Turtles. Who, who is your ninja? Who was your favorite Ninja Turtle? Donatello. Donatello. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was a Leonardo guy. All right. Yeah, I got my girls hooked on it too, where they like the Ninja Turtles series as well. So it's pretty sweet to see it. Did y'all go see the it. new movie? Yeah, we went to see the new movie too. It yeah. was actually pretty good. I thought it was yeah. um, interesting the different angle that they did. You know, yeah. coming from the teenage perspective of it because i was right, like you know what? Right. That, that's actually right like we've never seen these guys be kids right kids, yeah <laughs> they've been yep. adults ever since <laughs> agreed yeah agreed 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 <laughs> i thought it was good too i just actually uh seen it i think maybe like a week and a half ago i thought they did a great job yeah shout out to seth rogan for that remake on that too absolutely <laughs> and ice cube killed it too yeah he did he did i heard his voice i was like <laughs> Oh, that's Cube. Oh, snap. Yeah, Ice Cube killed it. He killed it. <laughs> Hip-hop is in the house fully, man. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so when you first got that deal and everything went through, can you share with me and others, the others, what was your deal structure when that happened? Wow, so my deal structure was I got an advance, and I think it, it was, uh, I, I won't, I always feel tacky talking about numbers, like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So I'll say I got a, a signing advance. I yeah. got an advance off top. Um, and then I think it was something crazy, like uh, six. It was like six uh, album deal or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was it was it was an interesting deal. And it was pretty much structured like any other uh, first time artist. Because yeah. what people don't realize is. When you signing a deal for the first time, you don't have no leverage because you don't have a track record. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And 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 not just I don't say this just about like aftermath or interscope. I just think the entire music business, the structure of record deals in yeah. general, they're not in the favor of an artist at all, especially since most artists you didn't for one, you didn't go to school to learn everything right, that right. you need to know about what all of these pages of legal jargon that you about to sign really mean. Yeah. Uh, half the time you talking about, especially in hip hop, kids that are coming out of the ghetto, mm -hmm. that these record deals are more money than their parents, their grandparents, their great grandparents ever had in their life. So they're not financially literate enough to know right. how to make this money last after they sign this contract. And you know, when you don't know what you don't know, you don't really know how to protect yourself when it <laughs> <Right>. comes to <laughs> contracts in the music business. So I think uh, my deal was pretty much structured like any other first time artist. You know what I'm saying? Got a little upfront money and then certain things were promised on the back end and all of those type of things. But just my advice, though, for anybody's watching this, um, 
I I am more of an independent minded artist. Like you'll right. say, I've always loved being independent because it was like I could see the fruits of my labor. If I worked this hard, I'm gonna personally get this amount of money. Like you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. I you know, my mother and father were hardworking. They are they they're hardworking blue collar people. I work this many hours a week. This is what I should see in my check. The music business ain't like that. <laughs> you could work, you could work millions of hours, and that shit ain't gonna pan out. So what, you, what you see, <laughs> you feel me? What you feel like you should get? It's not about. If they say in the music business, it's not about what you earn; it's about what you can negotiate. And if you're coming out of the ghetto, if you're coming out of the hood, That's you don't tough. know how to yeah. negotiate yeah. no proper contract. You just don't. So I always felt like. The independent route was always what was best for me because I love to work hard. But then at the end of the day, I love to see the fruits of my labor. Like, damn, I put in all of that work and this is what I got back. This makes sense right. to me. A lot of time, the way the music industry is structured, you're going to work your ass off and you're going to get a check back that doesn't make sense to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I've seen a lot about other artists had the similar deal, right? The six album deal and they give you an advance and then they give you a budget and then they, the company itself spends upon your budget and then you go in a red because of what they spent on the budget. Correct. And then Correct. you get another advance, which is also something you got to pay back and then they give you another budget for the next album. So it's like a perpetual cycle of just keeping you involved in that and then you're in debt to them forever right yeah it's kind of similar to that college debt we were talking about yeah it, listen america Do you know what song goes through my head when we just said that what one way or another, another. i'm gonna, gonna find you. you i'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you one way or another <laughs> yo <laughs> yo it's, it's real race. it's crazy yeah man. this this is a. Uh, America is is something else, man. The way they, they yeah, put everybody is, through the bro. grinder, man. Like I, I'm Where just so are you glad. From, by the way, I'm fr well. I'm originally from New York, and I've bounced okay. around. My dad was in the military, so I've been various different states, and I'm in Ohio right now. Okay, so word. It, it took me, it took me until probably like to really enlighten myself. Twenty two. Right. Because that 22 is when I started to actually start to trade and, and learn about investing and all that. And I realized, like, yo, why didn't they never teach me this stuff? Right. Exactly. And it, and it could have been that I didn't pay attention because it wasn't something that was that I seen around in my circle or in my neighborhoods that I seen myself doing. So it was it could have been there and it could have been blurry like my background or. I just didn't have access to it, one or the other. But either way, I got to that point and I'm glad that I did at 22. I wish it would have been 18. And at 18, I wish it would have been 14. And at 14, I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So I mean, yep. now I'm the change that I wanted to see. So I got my kids early, right? I started talking to them about money at four. When they can really start mm -hmm. to be cognitive, I'm right. talking to them about the simple exchange of just exchanging money at the store. Giving them Absolutely. the money so they can give the money and see how it really works, right? And then we start talking about the investing side of things as they get older. Mm, but I commend you for that, bro. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm doing everything I possibly can so they don't repeat anything that I did. I want them to be way better than me at an earlier age. <laughs> you know bro, what I'm I salute. Salute. <laughs> I salute you for that, bro. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, so we talked about the, the deal structure, right? And you hinted upon how that's something that happens in the industry regularly. So what do you define as a bad deal? Is this structure right now, what you define as a bad deal, is there actually something worse than that structure? Bro, I think all, I don't think any deal in the music business is a good deal. Like, wow. because it does, like, I think that only when you get to a certain level of having leverage, like, you know what I'm saying? I think that you're able to have, because <laughs> I think a good deal is a fair deal, and you only get fair deals once you have leverage. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't have no leverage, then it's not really, because think about it like this. I was talking to somebody about it one time, and the reason why I feel like this, and like I said, it's not just based off my situation. I think that I'm talking about the entire structure of the music business. Right, right. You're doing everything. And then there's a company that gets to tell you, well, this is how much of your money we're going to get. We're going to decide to give back to you. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that just does not make sense to me. It's like you're the one going, that's going to be in the studios until 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. You're the one that has to be creative enough to keep coming up with these ideas. You're the one that has to go through uh, just keep reinventing yourself and figuring right. it out and going through all the th like you are putting in the majority of the work and in these people in these offices and these buildings they really just get to sit there and whether you succeed or not they're gonna keep generating these multi-millions of dollars that they're gonna generate anyway right. so it's just like it just is not a fair balance it's not a fair um work to compensation ratio like in the music business so i just look at it like why not just do it yourself Right. Do everything. Is, and that's just the way that I am. And I understand for some artists, it's cool because they don't want to have to think about the other the other There's parts a, yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. They don't want to have to think about certain breakdowns and certain things as far as, as uh, the business goes. But I feel like if you if music is going to be the business that you in and you're going to sign a contract, really learn everything that there is to know. Don't just read a book. Go talk to people that's been through it before. Don't think that you're going to be the exception to the rule because there's so many people that jump in the game that <laughs> think, oh, I'm different. Thing. No, yep. you're yeah. not. You're not different. Man, if, if, it's like yep. I feel like James Brown is the the prototype. Like James Brown owned everything that he did. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was the prototype. He understood before he got into it. So I think that people should uh, become well-educated in the uh, the business that they're going into. Learn what works for certain people. I love looking at Master P's story. I love looking at Cash Money's story. I love looking at those people that like own their masters and have 50-50 or in P's case, I think it was like, 80 20 partnership yeah, yep. deals like those are like fair deals or good deals but it's only ever so often that you hear about those type of deals so i think people should just educate themselves and look at all of the the success stories and then look at all of the the failure stories and then do your best to learn as much as you can but as far as your initial question i don't know that there is a such thing as a good record deal <laughs> because all of that money you know you're eventually gonna have to pay, pay back. back and yep. then if you end up in a situation where you got to get out of the contract and try to negotiate you know, not having to pay it back, you're going to go through hell. Yeah, so it's just yeah. like, yo, <laughs> it's like, yo, do it yourself. Figure it out. Partner up with some people that you trust and believe in. If you got some homeboys who's in, some investors or y'all invest in something else to support your music business, or if you just got some knowledgeable uh, people around you or you end up running into somebody and having a genuine organic relationship with somebody that happens to be financially well off, do that. 
But when you start going into these record companies, they don't care about yeah, you. Yeah, that yeah. It, it's, a, it's the way they look at money. it is is about money, and yep. they look at it like there's a thousand youths that walk in the door in, every day. That they, yep. they feel like they can just replace you with another. So. For every artist, your journey, your music, and your craft is personal to you. It's not personal to them. So in my in my opinion, I don't know that there's a such thing as a good record deal unless you have leverage, unless you get that Master P and Birdman type deal. <laughs> now, you went through the ups and downs of the music industry, and you learned this yes. afterward, right? So right. what was that pivotal moment that had you realize that you need to learn this other side of the music biz? Well, I think that uh, it was when um, mm, the pivotal moment, because I had quite a few pivotal moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's, let's but, talk about uh, the first one. <laughs> man, I don't know if I could, I, 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 it's hard to on the spot remember the first one, but I can remember the most impactful one. Okay. Where I remember one time me and I love him to pieces, man, uh, for life. My dog, DJ Paul from uh, Three Six Mafia. Yep, yep. We was in Beverly Hills. We was at a, a Chinese restaurant. And um, I remember this is one of the times where he was asking me, he was like, how are you making a uh, consistent income if your album haven't came out yet, right? Yeah. And he taught me something that I didn't know. He said, uh, I said, well, right now, I really ain't got too much money coming in because I'm not touring. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Right. So then he was like, well, have you tried to turn your album in? I said, yeah. He said, how many times? I said, I don't know, like four or five. And then he was like, he's like, yo, do you know that they owe you your advance every time you try to turn your album in and they don't accept it? Like they owe you that again. And I said, really <laughs> and he was like he like yeah he was like you know so that was a pivotal point for me uh because it was like you know it's as they say in the music that what they say in the music business is it's nobody else's business to teach you the business yeah. and so when you don't know what you don't know it's a lot of things that just fly by it's so yeah. many stories I could tell you that were pivotal where I was like, yo, I probably should have read up on this. So I probably should have did a little more investigating. So I don't ever have sour grapes about anything I ever went through because mm. I look at it like you learn from everything. Yes. Everything yes. is a learning experience. But that was a pivotal moment because Paul was telling me about things that is like, damn, if I would have knew that. I could have went cashed in, got yeah. a couple more, but because I didn't know, nobody ever told me. So it's just, I never did it. You know what I'm right, saying? Because right. I just didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. But I would say that was like a pivotal moment of me being like, yo, I need to brush it up on my business. I need to have conversations. I need to not just be so focused on the music that the business end of it completely suffers. Like it's, it's my responsibility as a man to know mm. those things. And I can't blame it on anybody else that I didn't know my business. You feel me? Listen, you said something that was, that resonates with me about that learning experience. I look at nothing as a loss. Everything is a, a gained experience for me to learn that's going to lead me to my victory. So everything is going to be that stepping stone because I only have W's when I look at it. Yes. <laughs> There's only yes. the steps to get there. Those failures that you occur as you get to that point. That's all good because now I yes. know what not to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's all yes. that's all you can ever 
expect out of those situations and if you can go into it with that mindset anything can be done so yeah yeah man that's, man, that's all this life thing is you know i'm actually getting to a point with life where i don't even know if i believe that any experience is good or bad it just is what it is it's just what yeah. was supposed to be you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's like of course you yeah. enjoy some experiences more than others but, you know, anything can be any negative could be looked at as a positive. Any positive could be looked at as a negative, you know, depending mm. on your perspective in life. So for me, I don't look at anything that I've ever went through as a negative. It was, oh, that was supposed to happen for me to gain the knowledge exactly. and information for me to keep pushing forward. And so that I can get it right this time. OK, I got it wrong last time. Uh, you know, a uh, wise person once said you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. Yep. You learn more from losing than you do winning any day. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's through those losses and through those little short failures that you like you just said that you gain all of the wisdom that you need to to be able to prepare for the victory and know how to handle it, man. Yeah. You're the, you're the villain in somebody's story, no matter what. Come on, man. Say. Hey, man. Bro, what zodiac sign are you, bro? I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio, good people. Yeah. My mom, my mom and my dad are Scorpios. Yeah. You're a wise person. Thank yes, you. everybody is the villain in somebody else's movie, man. <laughs> yes, yeah, I say that all the time, which is why I just bugged out, right? <laughs> we got the same mind, man. Like I've been vibing Absolutely. with you for a while, man. We just didn't know it. <laughs> it's like my brother from another month, right, man. Right. <laughs> yes. That's it for part one of this episode. Make sure that you check out part two next week. Tag the show. Let me know what you learned about the music industry from this episode. And I'll see you next week. Peace. I got my click ready to use the money they got from jobs and courage and teaching them that it's not so hard. I'm doing this, making investing pop. You law is extra. You tuning in to stocks and bars. 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 Stocks.